A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to Sekunski, hosted by Johnny Seifert. This is the Celebrity Mental Health Podcast. I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same mantra as me, then before we get to today's guest, wherever you're listening or watching, give a five-star rating. Click that follow subscribe button and leave a review. It's so important when we say it's okay to not be okay. Now let me tell about my guest today. My guest today started his career as one of the S-Club juniors before moving one step closer into a career in acting where he starred in I Dream, the drama where the juniors were students in a school called Avalon Heights on CBBC. Since then, he's been on an automatic high starring in Western shows including Motown the Musical, Hamilton and currently as Goldie Wilson in Back to the Future, the musical at the Adelphi Theatre. So without further ado, it's time to take a sleigh ride and meet my guest this week. It's Jay Perry. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. Them segues are awesome. <laughs> I was loving those. Oh, mate. If I could tell you how often I still listen to Automatic High you wouldn't believe me and yet it is so true and very sad as and Sleigh Ride Sleigh Ride is my favorite Christmas song and it's Desk of Junior's version guilty no way yeah. do you know what I actually forgot until very recently that we even covered Sleigh Ride someone mentioned it and I was like oh wait, that song rings a bell and then it came back to me though it's clearly not one I played very much but I'm glad you do but you know it's, it's funny you say that I did the flip opposite I went right Sleigh Ride Escob Junior's song, then it's on, you know, back in the day, you would have the music channels that would just show video, video, and they'd do the Christmas yeah. videos. And suddenly I went, Slay Ride, I, I think it's the Ronettes. And I went, no, that's the Escob Junior song, because I was too young to realise that people do covers of songs. You know, Dolly Parton did I Will Always Love You, not Whitney Houston. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. But the Escob 7 generation, who then came into the Escob 8 and the Escob Juniors generation that we were both in, is just amazing. Because when I think about being in school, and I remember so clearly, I was in year three, so I would have been, whatever I'm in year three, what's that, like eight years old, nine years old? Yeah, pretty young. And the TV program said there's going to be this new program. We're looking to build S-Cup Juniors. And everyone in my classroom applied for it. And everyone thought they were going to be a singer. And everyone went to auditions. And you actually got to be an S-Cup Junior. But you didn't uh, do the application like everyone else did because you're too famous already for it at the time. (laughs) So tell me what happened, my friend. I did it differently and I did the reason why was because it was my birthday on the weekend of the London auditions so I sent in a videotape and the amount of times I filmed this tape like with my parents holding the camera and everyone chiming in to decide which was the best take or the best version so I remember I sent in a videotape kind of not really expecting them to listen to like watch it like sometimes you feel like the videotapes and like all the them kind of things don't really get watched but 
I guess they must have watched. Do you remember what song you did? Don't stop, never give up, hold your head high and reach the top. That song. Let the mouse see what you have. Bring it all back. Bring it all back. <laughs> he got to the chorus. <laughs> I got there in the end. I got there in the end. Yeah, uh, bring it all back. So um, did you have to sing an S Club song then? Or you could sing whatever yes. you wanted? Yes, you had to sing an S Club song. And is that your favourite um, S Club 7 song of all time? I don't think so, no. I think that um, it was pro- there was probably some strategy in that one. I remember clearly that I was in this really oversized shirt. It would look like it was my dad's shirt now. Like, And I just remember like step-clicking to uh, bring it all back. So yeah, that was the video I sent in. And then, yeah, they called me, I, I guess, a few weeks later to invite me to the, the finals in London. So yeah, I did it slightly differently. Imagine working in musical theatre now and the amount of people I bump into or meet the first thing they say to me is, I auditioned for that show. Like, everyone in musical theatre auditioned for that group. And you're like, ha, <laughs> yeah, you auditioned it, but I got the job, so. <laughs> yeah. Off. And, yeah, and now it's flip reverse and everyone's beating me to the jobs in musical theatre now, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, we need to, well, we're going to go through that as well. There's so much yeah, to discuss. they got their own back. Let's start with another role you played in the West End. You played Barry Gordy in Motown the Musical. Yes. And I've been to Detroit to the Motown Museum, which is my favourite museum in the world. And I've learned about Barry Gordy. And for those that don't know, basically, he was like the pioneer of Motown music, which started in the Motown in Detroit. And yes. the way it worked was every record label could only have one song being played at a time on the radio. And he basically said, well, look, I'm going to set up multiple record companies and then everything gets played. And that's how the Motown sound came. So... With that frame of mind of you being very Gordy, take me back to what music meant to you growing up and what it meant to you and your family as well. That's a good question, actually. Music to me growing up, it felt like real kinship with my dad, I think. Now, my mum's someone that likes music. Of course, she likes music. But for me, it really was about my relationship with my dad. My dad is a huge lover of music, particularly soul music, R&B music, Motown music. So that kind of genre of music was really pivotal to my childhood like it was everywhere music was on all the time it was in the house my dad had a huge rack like a huge wall actually of just cds like loads of cds we would go me and my dad would go and get a haircut every single saturday get a nice fade up done on the way back we would go to the record store that was just what we did like it was it was like almost ritualistic like it was part of what kind of brought us together we bonded over it so I think a big part of my love for music came from my dad and and his love of music and and it was kind of what really kind of bonded us early early in my childhood I think so when it comes to the S Club Juniors then with the record shop in mind and that, that that range of genres that would have come through the communities that you were living in when you're making songs which are so teen pop and I maybe this is an unfair question because you were so young at the time and it was very very manufactured but did that match up to the sound that you had grown up with? Or were you like, I'm doing music, I'm doing what I wanted to do, but this doesn't really feel like my identity here? I think it's a bit of both. I honestly think it's a bit of both. I, I think it's fair to say that it wasn't the music that I grew up with. However, as I started to get older, my own influences started to kind of be birthed, you know? And so I, I remember one of the first albums I had was Spice Girls, like, Spice World album, <laughs> one of my favorite albums, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. Like, so pop was a big part of what I kind of enjoyed personally, but it ne- wasn't necessarily what I'd grown up listening to from my parents. But it definitely was starting to filter into my own landscape of music. So I think by the time that I got to start doing the band, I feel like S Club was, I enjoyed S Club and I liked S Club. They weren't probably my favorite band. 
but um, they were definitely a band that I was like really familiar with, enjoyed, you know? Although now that being said, Escop are now on their Good Times tour. I presume you're now going, I wish I was in the Escop Juniors and I wish I could be on stage now doing these songs all these years later. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that's the case. I wouldn't say that's the case. Yeah, and this um, is the problem with Pete, with all of you. I'm go- I've got my tickets. I'm going to the O2 on the 28th of October. And I'm like, I just want the S Cup Juniors to support. And I just want to feel like I'm a 12-year-old girl. What is wrong with that? Honestly, everyone keeps this. All that anyone keeps saying is like, <laughs> why are you not supporting S Cup? Like, come on, it's the most perfect opportunity. But what is the answer? And don't tell me Frank is busy on Loose Women and Rochelle's doing this morning and Aaron's choreographing everything. And that's not an excuse. That is a big excuse. But I have fond memories of S Club Juniors. I have great memories of it. But at the same time, like I've worked really hard to establish myself in a completely different industry that actually pretty early on didn't really take me seriously. And so for me, a big part of what I do now, I'm very proud of it. I've worked really hard to get to where I've got to. It wouldn't feel regressive to do something like that. It would feel very fun, but I would only really do it for the fun, for the joy of doing, to being being around the guys and bonding with them and stuff. But it really wouldn't be about anything other than that. And realistically, what comes first now is, you know, the careers that we've all established outside of that or the lives that we've established, the the families, all of that. And that comes first for all of us, I think. And so I think that's that's the big issue. That's the big thing we'd have to get past is making sure that everything that we needed to take care of first was being taken care of. And then we could have a look at it and go, well, actually, we've got time. We've got you know, we've got a bit of free time. Why don't we do something like that? But until then, it's going to be tough. You talk about the fond memories. Now with everything you've learned in the theatre, when you look back at the time when you're on iDream, the brilliant, brilliant TV programme that had the great album out as well, and the Ask of Juniors, do you look at it fondly or do you go, I now look at kids who are getting into the theatre and how they're treated and how manufactured or how chaperoned they are that actually it wasn't as good as it was made out to see. You know, you're going to the BBC Television Centre in White City back in the day, and, oh, God, seeing that building. But now when you go there and you're like, well, you know, obviously it's Soho House now, but, like, <laughs> I was a child, and I was made to feel like a child, even though I was probably thinking I'm an adult because everyone knows who I am. There was a shift. So at the very beginning of the band, it felt like I was a kid having a lot of fun doing something that was just so exciting and so you know, out of the realms of possibility, but there was real kind of naivety and like earnest joy about it. And then at some point it shifted to become, once once we started to really figure out the industry a little bit more, it shifted. And as we were getting older, it shifted to becoming a little bit more work-based and it felt like work and it felt like playing the game a little bit more. Some of us were better at that than others. I don't think I was necessarily that great at, understanding the industry or or or, or knowing how to maneuver the industry I mean I was still a child so I shouldn't really be expected to but I think at some point it shifted and I think it's a shame that it shifted because had we been able to stay in that kind of that joyful kind of place a little bit longer I think that I think I would feel better about potentially going back into that world or into that headspace. I think because it became work and because it became a little bit more about playing the game and being relevant and, you know, all the stuff that that comes with being a pop star or being on television or whatever it is, I think that kind of not, not tainted it, but it, it, it left it left a mark. And so I think for me, it took a long time for me to be able to 
to get over some of some of the uh, the, the hurdles I think that that started to build towards the end of the band. I think it's very interesting as well as an outsider because S Club Seven obviously ended. Paul left, and then S Club just kind of disintegrated. And there was like almost this responsibility onto the S Club Juniors that they then became the S Club Eight, and suddenly that shift in name almost meant, well, hold on a minute they've got to be that replacement. And suddenly there are these expectations that they can go straight in and every single person of the S Cup Juniors is now going to be a member of S Cup 7 and take their place. And then you're like, well, hold on a minute, I was a child and now I'm not. And I presume that's probably where the work came in and probably mentally, it was the first time you had to actually think about your sense of belonging. And is this actually the path that I want to go down now? Yeah, for sure. And you've got to bear in mind that at that stage, that that change in dynamic, even the name change, like when we changed to S Club 8, I think I was 14 at that point. So we're still talking about young people, very young people, kind of shifting and shifting gears. And you're right, it was a shifting gear. Even the way we started to dress was a shifting gear. The way they marketed us shifted. Everything was aged up slightly. It's quite difficult to understand what, where that comes from and what that's why that is like what and we wanted it of course to a certain extent because we were growing up as well you you know as a as an as an adolescent you want to feel like you're growing up you want to feel like a an adult especially working in an adult world but you might not necessarily be mentally equipped for that switch up and I'm not sure that we all potentially were in the way that you would hope. And that's not really down to anything that the management could have done or couldn't have done or didn't do. It's just, I guess it comes down to being kids growing up in kind of the spotlight and also trying to, so trying to balance that just being a kid whilst also trying to manage being in an industry that is purely created for wealth and gain and money and capitalism and you know an, an adult world so yeah, it was it was difficult to maneuver you know well what, what was that for you like because you look in america people like miley cyrus or zach and cody such as these childhood stars who go through so much trauma trying to keep up with the jones and you're right yeah. going to all these big parties but then having to go home we know as well in our in our in our celebrity world those childhood stars also went through a lot what was it like for you jay transitioning into the teenage that teenager young 20s person that was still being seen as a cbbc star were you trying to rebel against society and against the celebrity status quo we're going i'll go over the flow i'll be packed here and i'll behave myself and be very strict and obviously don't get yourself in trouble just from a legal perspective but just very much like did you want to rebel against the system just because of how they kept pushing you in a certain direction? I think I did a li little bit i think I, I chose detachment more i detached myself from that kind of from the narrative, I guess, that I presumed most people had of us or me in particular. So the band kind of disintegrated when I was about 15. So I still had three years, I guess, of being a kid officially. And then from that point on, so so then kind of like three years of still being a kid, I I literally remember kind of finishing the band and just wanting to go and hang out with like the the people that lived around my area and just like do what kids did, you know, hang out, you know, try and drink a sneaky bottle of Smirnoff, like, you know, play football, wrestle with the boys around the estate, play games. Like, like that was what was important to me because it's what we were kind of robbed of without even knowing it. We didn't really realize that we just didn't, 
didn't get to do all of them kind of things. We didn't get to go to the cinema or bowling or whatever it was that kids did at that period of time. So that for me was a huge thing. All I wanted to do was just be a kid. And then I think when I got a little bit older, when I moved into my 20s, was when I wanted to rebel against it, was when I wanted to kind of be seen as a lot cooler, a lot edgier, a lot like really trying to detach myself from that kind of, as you say, kind of CBBC mentality or idea that people had of me. And I did. I mean, I, I moved out of home. I moved to East London. I moved to Shoreditch. I was living with all the, you know, with all the cool kids. I had a, like, a, I was working at, at All Saints, the, um, you know, the brand All Saints, which at the time was very cool. And I worked in the PR department at All Saints for a little while. And so was dealing with fashion and we went to all the festivals and I thought it was, it was all really cool and fun. And, but it was all me just trying to run away. It took a second for me to kind of find myself again and like work out, well, actually, once I can get over the idea of that a few people might not have thought it was very cool what I did before, once I can get past that, what is it that makes me happy? What do I really want to do? What what excites me? What makes me what makes me tick? And I found my way into musical theatre around 2022, 20, maybe 23, 22. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And that's when you transition into J. Perry using your middle name as that name. 
Did yes. you think if I use the name Jay Perry and I send an audition tape in and I send my CV in or send a couple, I don't know how it works, but basically that association with the S Cup Juniors isn't there and it will very, very much, here's a guy called Jay, look at him and to get what I'd already been in the past. Did you think that there was a bit of a tarnishment of, well, he's a CBC kid. Yeah, but that was 10 years ago. But still, he's a CBC kid. 100%. It was a clean break. That was my idea. It was a it was a clean start. It was a fresh start. I thought what it would do was allow me to move into a different area and be taken seriously in musical theatre. People go through years and years of training to kind of be able to do what it is I do now. And I hadn't necessarily had that training. I had had a lot of singing experience. I had had a lot of performance experience. I'd had a lot of time on stage. I'd had a lot of time touring. I'd had a lot of time, you know, I, I knew the physicality of it and what it all meant, but I hadn't had physical physical training in the way that most people had, which put me, puts you at a disadvantage, but I knew what I'd learned on the job. I knew my on-the-job training had been pretty stellar um, and would kind of get me by. So it was getting myself in the door. If I knew, I, if I thought I could get my foot in the door for someone to take a chance on me to bring me in for an audition to hear me sing for uh, a, uh, for an agent to take a chance on me. He hasn't had the formal training, but I, we like his voice or he's a good actor or whatever. I thought if I could get to that place, I was in with a shot. And I thought the name helped in terms of one, Jay Perry rolls off the tongue very easily. It's very easy to say. And two, it wasn't attached to something where people might have a prerequisite of what I was get, what I had to offer. Well, if we use a line that you say as Goldie the Mayor in Back to the Future the Musical, and I quote from your very mouth on scene <laughs> two, act one, if you let people walk over you now, they always will. And I think that's kind of a testament to your journey. That If you let people see you as Jay from the S-Cup Juniors, they always will. However, if you go away for a couple of years and come back and go through the theatre industry as Jay Perry, they're not walking over you, my friend. You're becoming a star. And you're actually just becoming the mayor. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, I mean, dude, honestly, that was it for me. It was about it's about taking a step back. And also, I think it helped, you know, as I said, you know, I was saying about I had this kind of detachment and wanted to kind of like push myself away from it. It was good that I did that because it gave me some breathing space to be able to say, okay, what is it you really enjoy from what you did in S Club Juniors? And for me, it was performance. I'm a performer. If anyone asks me what I am, I don't say singer, I don't say actor, I say I'm a performer. That's what kind of gets me going. I, I'm a kind of song and dance man, but I, I, I love kind of performing in general. That's what kind of gets me buzzed. I needed to step away from all of the Escob Junior stuff to be able to figure out what that looked like for me. And musical theatre in general gives me a real, real good opportunity to enjoy and to harness the things that I think one, I'm best at and the things that I enjoy the most without the pressure and without the stress of some of the things that I didn't enjoy so much about being in Escob Juniors, which I guess is the fame side of it I found very difficult. Maybe it was because I was a bit younger, maybe I'd find it a little bit easier now, but not being able to get on the tube or being able to, you know, just walk down the street very easily was, I found tough. I, I, I found that very difficult the older I got. I found it, found it difficult to, um, to deal with. These are things I don't have to worry about now. I might get a couple of people uh, coming up to me and saying, I saw you in the theatre show or, you know, or I remember you from S Cup Juniors, but um, it's, uh, it's, 
now it's quite nice. Uh, back in the day, it was quite difficult, I think. When you think about the negatives of that world, then you come into the theatre world and obviously being in things in like COVID and how that affected the theatre world. What's your mental health been like as you've had to navigate through auditions? And then, for example, you're doing Back to the Future right now. You have got your next job lined up in Diana the Musical. So we have got a straight show to show. But a lot of the time you'll be out of a show for a little bit. and And there are actors out there who will do a show We'll do it for two years and they'll be out of a job for another year before they get into the next one, even though they're so talented. But there's so much talent in the theatre world. There's just not enough shows available for everyone to be in. So how have you found your mental health through the past decade of going from show to show to show? Up and down, Johnny. Who are you? One of the Um, Benga boys. (laughs) Literally, up and down. It's a difficult industry. It's a difficult industry because, like you say, you can be on top of the world one day and then you finish your job and you could be struggling for the next six to six months to a year to find the next one. It's just the nature of how competitive it is. There's so many people that are churning, they churn them out of these drama schools every single year. I've got a lot better. I I have therapy every week. I'm someone that has therapy every single week. Therapy was a bit of a game changer for me in terms of understanding who I am as a person, but also understanding how to deal with things when things are not going well. You know, when things are going well, it's great. And, you know, it's a lot easier to deal with my mental health I think but then when things are not going so great you do then you start to question wait am I meant to be doing this am I good enough to do this am I worthy of this am I talented enough is this something I can do forever like on top of the the idea of how do I pay my mortgage how do I do this how do I you know like so the mental health thing is a continuous it's a continuous journey that I think we always will all be on where I'm just trying to take you know literally one day at a time but also being kind to myself being compassionate like I think it took a long time to, for me to realize that life isn't easy and it is tough and you really do need to be as empathetic and compassionate to yourself as you can be to other people. I think I'm, I'm, I find it quite easy to be, you know, put an arm around a friend or a partner or whatever and console them when things are tough, but you don't often do that to yourself. And I've had to learn how to do that to myself, self-care and how to, how to make my, you know, how to to really look after myself when I need it. And that's been pivotal, but it really has been ups and downs. It's got easier as I've got a little bit older. So listening to what you're saying, the question I've got, and this is not a showbiz question, how have you found relationships? Because if your work is always up and down and you're focusing so much on taking care of yourself, how easy do you find it to take care of other people when yourself it aren't so stable? I mean, I've been with my partner for four years now, just over four years. We have a pretty good balance I think and an understanding of when either of us might need a little bit more or a little bit less so a little bit more space or a little bit or need to be looked after a little bit and I think that's the balance isn't it and and that is really tough but as up and down as my job is my partner isn't a performer but works closely within the industry but he like I he has ups and downs just like I I do in his industry or just in his general life and so it's part of being in a relationship isn't it that you give and you you take and you you know there's that balance that kind of you have to find that happy medium and I, I would never pertain to think that my job is more important than his or my woes are more important than his and so it's a balance and and that's kind of worked for us and that's what makes us a good couple or, or why why we're still ticking on four years later you know well looking to the fifth year you've got back to the playing Goldie right now why should sure back to the future the musical at the Adelphi Theatre the songs are a lot of fun technically 
it is best probably show the best show the I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, it just visually is stunning. So if you want to come and uh, and also it's very true to the film. It's true to the film. It's, it's, it does a great, great job of staying true to the film. So yeah, come down, come on there. What is your favorite technical part of the show? If you could just choose one thing and it doesn't, it's not spoilers because it won't make sense unless you see it. What is the bit that you're like, how the hell did they manage to do that? The car. No, the car. that's better. No, much better. I know. What, what's car. yours then? What's yours? The stairs. The stairs? Oh yeah, the stairs are iconic. Yeah. The stairs are iconic. Yeah, the stairs are, I, do you know what? trade secret i still don't know how they do the stairs i missed the tech i missed that day of tech or i think i was doing something else of that day of tech so i don't actually i haven't seen how they do that sequence so i still to me it it is just magic still in my head i think it is like being a weather forecaster so imagine a green screen and you're pointing i think it is like that that you know your step as long as you as the actor can follow the secrets on the choreography, you will go yeah. with the choreography. And it won't make sense to anyone watching or listening, but Jay knows yeah. what I mean. And it means that there's no spoilers because it is something you've got to watch in Act Two. Stay for Act Two. That stair sequence is one of the best things I've ever seen. As Goldie, as the mayor, what would your advice be to those listening or watching who want to get into the theatre industry now, as you spoke about those drama kids before? Resilience is a big thing. Uh, you'll get a lot of no's, you'll get a lot of doors shut in your face. But I think, you know, trust in your own source, like as some of the kids would say, I guess, trust in your own ability and you know, trust in what you have to offer everyone has something slightly different to offer no one person is exactly the same as anyone else so trust in that and keep going keep pushing and be kind because honestly this industry is tough don't let it get at you and and, you know make you bitter just enjoy it while you can enjoy the good times let them roll on as s club would say and yeah keep plugging away and always be on an automatic high as a <laughs> that's it. Just right. remember, uh, n- never have a dream come true until the day that I met you. Um, final question: Diana, the musical you're going to be taking part in. What a lineup: Kerry Ellis, Alice Burn, and Denise Welsh. Three powerhouses: Alice and Kerry in the theatre world, Denise in the acting world, and obviously people know from Loose Women. I mean, number one, my imposter syndrome, if that was me being you, is, oh my God, what can we expect from that show? Because that's going to get a lot of people talking, I imagine. They recorded the Broadway version and put it on Netflix. So if anyone wants to check it out, it's on Netflix. Our version is going to be a bit different. I watched it on Netflix and it is so camp. It's the campiest thing ever. So I'm so excited for a bit of campery. That'll be a lot of fun. Working with Kerry, Alice and Denise will be iconic you can only imagine how excited i am to just like be around those women very very excited my part in particular is meant to be a bit hunky so i'm gonna have to make sure i'm in shape and there might be i don't know there might be a little bit of top offage don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know it's it's he's, he's meant to be hunky so i've got a got to work on the uh the hunk aesthetic essentially <laughs> Oh, 
Jay, I can't thank you enough. You can see Jay in Back to the Future in the London West End at the Adelphi Theatre. And then later this year, he's in Diana the Musical on the 4th of December at the event in upon. And if you love your theatre and you love Denise Welsh, especially, she's done about three hours on security and security. So go and check out her mental health history because there's some amazing lessons she will teach you. Olivia Moore as well as in Greece in the West End at the Dominion Theatre. She tells her mental health story. And if you love your 90s or your noughties music like I do, there are interviews on security and security with Tina from S Club, Duncan James and Anthony Costa from Blue, Mark Weird from A1, Richie Neville from Five, and Brian McFadden from Westside. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, please leave a five-star rating and a review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a five-star rating and a comment and click that subscribe button. Let's keep studying the word. It's okay to not be okay. On social media, at Johnny Seifert 92 on TikTok, on Twitter, at Johnny Seifert, and Instagram, at Johnny Seifert and Security and Security Podcast. So do please go and check me out. And let's keep spreading the word. It's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.